This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by Bob Keipel. We're thrilled today to be joined by Ian Williams, a managing director of Jericho, a CX consultancy in the UK. Welcome to the show, Ian. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Let's get right back, right into it, okay, Tom and Ian? You guys ready to go? I'm good to go. Ian, um, can you tell us a little bit about your motivation to create Jericho and how it's been evolving in the last 10 or 11 years or so? Yeah, certainly. So I came into the CX world from the marketing world, as a number of people do. People come into CX from lots of different directions, some from customer service, some some from UX. And yeah, we've spoken about this before. But I came in from a strategic marketing uh, direction. So I'd been working in marketing for a number of major brands. I worked in telecoms. I worked in healthcare. Uh, and I worked in financial services towards the end of my career. And one of the last jobs that I did uh, on the corporate side of the fence was uh, I was head of retention for Santander Insurance in the UK. Um, and one of the things that we, we, one of the first things that we did, I worked with the underwriters from Norwich Union who, who basically did all their underwriting for our work. We did, did a diagnostic of the business and one of the things that we identified was that um, I was brought in to do retention was which was very much seen as okay when the customers at the point of leaving what do we need to do that at that particular point in time but after having done the diagnostic we identified that one of the main reasons why customers were leaving because they hadn't been sold the right product in the first place so a lot of the churn that was happening was happening at the inception of the relationship or near the beginning of the relationship. So from that perspective, we realized that we couldn't just look at this as a, as a pure retention issue. So I kind of persuaded uh, my bosses at the time that we need to look at this more from a customer experience perspective. Uh, this was back in, this is probably about 12, 13 years ago. So they enabled me to change my remit and I started talking to different parts of the business at different stages of the customer journey, changed my title from head of retention to head of customer experience. And that's where it all really, really started. Then I was with that organization for about a year. It was, you know, financial services. You guys remember the big crash that all happened. Mm -hmm. I went to Amex. I was there for less than a year and I was unfortunately made redundant. But one of the things that... For me, the experience at Standair made me having been um, a customer experience guy for, um, sorry, having been a, a strategic marketer, so to speak, for 
16 years that customer experience was or had was a natural evolution of strategic marketing and that customer experience management was becoming what strategic marketing should have been in the first place. So over the last 11 years, I've worked as a CX consultant. Uh, right at the beginning, I did quite a lot of lecturing around services and marketing for Harriet Watt University. Um, and then over time, I've done more and more consulting work. Um, like, I've used different approaches at different points in time. So some of it's very inside out, which is, you know, the, traditional business diagnostics side of things. Then I moved on to more using Qual and Quant. So um, one of the, the, the models that's used here in the UK and probably elsewhere is about, you know, doing qualitative research, understanding expectations, transferring that across into Quant in order that you can do, you know, big survey stuff, multiple regression analysis, identification of, of key drivers, all of that sort of stuff. So that was a technique that um, I've, I've used quite a lot. And then over the last four years, I've done more, uh, it's been more to do with um, using uh, customer journey mapping as a workshop technique, but on the back of a lot of work around profiling and segmentation. And in my view, this is where a lot of things that I see in the customer experience world today fall down because there's a lot of strategy stuff that's done. But many of the people who are talking about strategy and talking about the, the big picture stuff are not able to tie that strategy back to individual customers through data. So if you're not able to tie your CX strategy back to data, back to individual customer profiles, especially if you're an organization that operates at any level of scale, if you can't tie it back to profiles and you can't drive what you're trying to do through a CRM system, then the CX strategy stuff that you're developing is a paper exercise. It's a waste of time. Yeah, that, so, that, that brings that, that, me to my next, next question, Ian. Um, and I love your philosophy and we really share that. Uh, and, and the first time that we chatted, you, you really intrigued me by the methods that you use for market segmentation and persona creation. Can you, Take us through your methods and your, and your rationale for their use. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, the first step that we follow is obviously profiling. So organizations have lots of data all over the place. Most of it, 99% of it is interactional or transactional data. So you pull that information from various different sources and you create a chronological picture of an individual customer. Okay. And that's a custom, that's a customer profile. So, um, that's the first step that we follow, making sure that your individual customer profiles are accurate and complete by pulling in the relevant data from different parts of the business. The second stage, the second thing that we do is what we call strategic segmentation. Now, strategic segmentation is different to tactical segmentation. You know, in tactical segmentation is used often by marketers. Uh, say for example we want to do a campaign and we decide that we want to do a campaign to all guys over the age of 50 that's so we pull the relevant data from the CRM system we run the campaign that's from my perspective that's tactical marketing strategic marketing is different whereby we look at the entire customer base and we say okay how can we organize our customers in a way that makes sense from the customer's perspective. So I'm a strong advocate of behavioral segmentation. 
Um, this is a model that I developed when I was when I was building the CX consulting practice for Amadeus, who are a big big IT company. Um, uh, they're you know big competitors of Sabre in the United States, who run all the the software in the airline industry over there. And so the whole idea of behavioral strategic segmentation is saying, how do we take the entire customer base and break it down into segments according to the reason why the customer is doing business with us as a motivation for creating strategic segments. And that's, if we, if I just take one step back, if you look at the different functions of a business, all of them could already claim to be very customer centric. And what I mean by that is that every function of the business already organizes their workload around the customer base. Okay. So sales will organize by channel. They'll look at the customer base and they'll say direct sales versus indirect sales. They'll say online versus offline. So they're already organizing their workload around the customer base. And then you go to say, for example, operations, they usually organize their workload around the products that have been sold to the customer. Okay. Uh, then you go to finance and they're, organizing the customer their workload around for example customer lifetime value so they're organizing themselves and then you go to the loyalty department and they're organizing themselves versus members versus non-members and then if you look at the members they're broken down into gold silver bronze so if you go to the different functions of the business they're already in from their perspective they're already customer centric they're already organizing themselves around the customers, but they're doing it in their own way according to their own functional logic. Um, the problem is they're all doing it differently. And if they're all doing it differently, that's where silos comes from. The word silos come from. Now, silos is thrown about, but nobody really knows what it means. What it really means is, why are these different functions not able to work with each other? Well, it's because they all organize themselves around the customer base differently. Okay. Um, so strategic segmentation, which is what we do is saying, okay, forget all these different functional approaches for a moment. Let's put them on one side for the moment. Let's break the customer segment, customer base down according to the reason why the customer is doing business with us. So let me give you the example of the airline industry because it's the one that I know. Um, considering the work I've done over years. So if you look at a basic level, um, your customer base can be broken down into business versus leisure. Okay, simple. But then your business travelers, you might have three or four different types of business traveler. So you might have a frequent business traveler, a standard business traveler. You might also have a business commuter. And business commuter is the one I always focus on. It's a really good example. So a business commuter is somebody who uh, works in a different place to where they live. So they jump on a plane on a Monday morning. They fly to the, the destination where they work. They work there from Monday to Friday. And then the Friday night, they fly back again. So what we try and do is do the strategic customer segmentation. Um, it, it's a, it's a, the process that we follow 
to do strategic customer segmentation is three steps. So first of all, we do what we call a theoretical segmentation exercise, which is getting frontline people from the business in the room and saying, what are the different reasons why people do business with you? In the airline, in the airline industry, we say, what are the different reasons why people travel with you? Okay. So they come up with all these theoretical reasons why customers get on the plane. Now they know that because they meet these customers on a day-to-day basis. So they have a pretty good idea theoretically why people are getting on the plane. The second step we then do is we used unsupervised clustering, which is a machine learning technique. So we throw, um, data points into unsupervised clustering algorithm, and then clusters come out of that. And then the third step in the process is trying to match the clusters that have come from unsupervised clustering with the theoretical segments that you came in, you came up up with in the first place. This works. It's complicated. It's not always easy. It takes a while to, to, to do it. And some of the, the segments you theorize don't actually exist in the data. And some of the, the clusters that are thrown out, you didn't theorize in the first place, but, but, but you eventually get there and you can identify segments of customers according to the reason why they're getting on the airplane. So these aren't personas that have come off the top of somebody's head as a result of doing a workshop. These are real segments that have been derived behaviorally. Now, I get a lot of people coming to me and saying, yeah, but behavioral segmentation is all about what people do, not why they do it, okay? And I said, but if you get really, really sophisticated with the way that you do behavioral segmentation, you don't just identify what people do, you also identify why they do it. So let me give you an example. So if I look at um, the business commuter, which I described to you before, how does a business commuter behave, right? They fly out on a Monday, they fly back on a Friday. They always fly to and from the same origin and destination. They travel 30 to 40 times a year and they usually do not check in their luggage. If you have a passenger with that pattern of behavior, they are only a business commuter. They are nothing else. So if you take a series of what's, and you pull those watts together, like I just did, I just gave you four watts, you pull those together, you get a why. You get a why somebody is. So if somebody has those four elements, okay, they travel by themselves, they fly out on a Monday, they fly back on a Friday, same origin and destination, they fly by themselves, they fly 30 to 40 times a year, uh, and they don't check in their luggage, I can guarantee you that person is a business commuter. But you do that for all of the segments that you've got and you end up with data derived behavioral customer segments that don't just explain what people are doing, but they're also explaining why people are doing it as well. Okay. That's awesome. The next stage that we then do is we do a persona building. So we take the segments and we evolve them into personas. So the example that I gave to Tom before, was um, if you look, if we go back to the business commuter, on a Monday morning, the business commuter's motivation is to get to work on time because her boss is going to kick her ass if she's not in the 11 o'clock meeting. So she wants to be on the, uh, through the airport, on the plane, 
off the plane first through customs and immigration as quickly as she possibly can so she can get to a rental car so she can get to the office as quickly as possible right that's her that's her motivation but on a friday night and that's all rational motivation that's all okay that this has got to happen rationally but on a friday night when she's flying home is she a business commuter anymore hmm. that's the question on a friday night she's flying home to spend time with the people that she's been away from all week. So she's no longer a business commuter. She's a, she's a mum or a wife or a daughter. And therefore the data won't tell you that the data will not tell you that. So you have to look at the segment and go through the process of understanding the emotional motivations of that person. So we, we take the segments and we evolve them into the personas Okay. And then the next stage is, is that for each of the personas, we then do a journey mapping exercise. Now, um, I, I don't understand this. I see so many organizations that, that have eight, eight segments, eight personas, but they only have one journey map. How the hell does that work? I really, I don't get it. You got eight different types of customer. You need eight different journeys. So if, for example, you imagine a, a business commuter, they do this so often, they know what they're doing. They know how to get through security. They know where they want to sit on the plane. They know they don't have to check in their luggage. Their experience is going to be completely different from a vacationer who travels once every other year they travel in a group of five. They have two kids under the age of 10. Uh, getting through security is an absolute nightmare. Uh, you've got to make sure you check in luggage. You've got to think about, have I put in too much weight or not enough weight? Do you, you, you understand that the experience that a vacation is going to go through is completely different from the experience that the, 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 uh, the, the, the business commuter is going to have. So you can't just have one journey map. You've got to have different journey maps for different personas. And then finally, when we're doing the journey mapping exercise, the way that I describe it is the map is not the point. So I had one organization that came to me once and said, look, we want you to respond to RFP. Uh, we want you to, but we don't want you to do journey mapping. And I said, huh, what, hey, hey. And they said, we've done journey mapping three times before and nothing changed. And I said, what? And they said, I said, what did you do after journey mapping? And they said, oh, we stuck them on the wall. And I'm like, listen, at the end. <laughs> I can see you laughing at this, Tom. People do journey mapping exercise and they, that's as far as they take it and they don't know what they're doing after. But Ian, it's so pretty. Look what it's we made. so pretty. So my view is the map is a byproduct. It's not the point of the exercise. The point of the exercise is identifying issues and opportunities. So we refer to these issue, issues and opportunity as pain points, moments of truth, commercial opportunities and wow opportunities and it's those four different categories of issue and opportunities that then get pulled into your transformation exercise that then is the catalyst for the change that the business actually goes through okay but that there's a step just coming on to um I think that was the other point you wanted to talk about was all about functional alignment, Tom, how we get the different functions of the business well, first, on board. Can you, can you uh, talk to us a little about um, um, you know, yeah. that detailed approach to segmentation and even the, uh, the illustration of the commuter traveler and how their needs um, change. Uh, can you tell us how you use that to formulate customer experience strategy and, and what that looks like on the ground? Sure. Okay. So, 
one of the main challenges that many people do when they do a CX exercise is you've now got to get the different functions of the business to buy into this process. So you've identified the issues and opportunities through journey mapping. But before you can take it into transformation, you need the different parts of the business to take ownership of, of the issues that have been thrown out of journey mapping. So um, what we do is a process that we call functional alignment. Uh, and functional alignment is, to, is trying to say, okay, you different functions are now got to take ownership of this stuff. The way that we do this is through the segmentation. That we, so we leap back to what I spoke about for segmentation. So I go to the different functions of the business with this new strategic segmentation approach. And I go, hey, guys, look, I've got a new strategic segmentation approach. Segments according to the reasons why customers are doing business with us. And the functions go, yeah, yeah, that's really, really interesting. We agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. But screw you, we're not going to use that because we already have our own functional segmentation approach. How can we use your functional, your segmentation approach and our approach? We're not going to completely reorganize what we do around your new segmentation model. So the way that we got around this is we said, okay, what we're going to do is rather than giving you the entire customer base, I'm going to give you a strategic segment. So for example, the business commuters that we've spoken about, and I give that to a function, and I say to the function, now, rather than using your functional approach, functional segmentation approach on the entire customer base, just use your functional segmentation approach on this strategic segment. So I give you the business commuter, I give that to the loyalty department, right? And I say to the loyalty department, now apply your loyalty tiers to this strategic segment. Okay. Now, let me give you an example. We spoke before about the business commuter. The main motiv motivation of the business commuter is to get in, in and out of the airport as quickly as they possibly can on a Monday morning, right? Of all the different segments within the airline industry, the business commuter is the one who, want, who needs to spend the least time in the airport. Nobody likes spending time in the airport. Nobody likes spending a lot of time on flights and stuff like that. But for these people who travel so frequently, it is most important to them. So what we do is on the back of the journey mapping, we come up with an idea, which is a, a service that we can offer these people called speed through, which enables them to get through the airport, through security, into the lounge, out of the lounge, onto the airplane first, right? Sitting at the front of the plane so that they get off the plane first. When they're off the plane first, we try and get them through immigrations and security as quickly as possible so they can get out of the airport on their way. Now, a lot of this is already offered Often it's often off, offered through, you know, having a, a, a gold tier status as a loyalty member, but some aspects are not like valet parking is not offered as part of, uh, as part of something like that. Um, so we create this new speed through service and say to business commuters, is this something that you're interested in? Yeah. If you can help me get in and out of the airport on and off the plane, the quickest as possible, that's something I'd be interested in. Okay, but then how do we offer this service to business commuters? Well, I go to the loyalty team and I say, okay, so how about gold members are offered this service as a discount, but they can also acquire this service through points redemption? Is it something that gold members are going to be interested in? Yeah. 
Okay, entry members, they can get the same service, but maybe they have to pay a little bit more for it because they, they don't have the points. They can't redeem their points against it. But the third group is high value non-members. So usually something like 40% of all of your customer base are people who are not members of your loyalty scheme. Of that 40%, 10% of them are incredibly high value. So these are people who fly with you incredibly frequently, but for whatever reason, they've never joined your loyalty program. These people are so rich, they don't care. So the idea is for the high value non-members, you approach them and say, we have a new speed through service. We're going to give you this service using the points that you would have accrued had you been a member for the past three years. But the only condition of this is that you have to enroll for the program. Now, if I'm a, a high value non-member, I might go, you know what, that service is of real value to me. So I then take it. So if you can imagine offering this speed through service, but doing it in such a way that we've targeted a strategic segment and we've applied the loyalty tiers to that strategic segment, we've made that product relevant to different tiers of loyalty customer through this combined segmentation approach you can bet that when i when you present that to the loyalty team they bite your hand off suddenly it makes sense to them why they should apply two different layers of segmentation to the approach that they they use so this is how we get the different functions of the business on board with what we're trying to achieve from a customer experience perspective. Once they can see the sense of how we do it, they then want to be part of the process. They want to, to get engaged. So for me, this is, this is how you break down silos. This yeah. is how you get the different functions involved in the process. And it's all around data and it's all around the way in which you do your segmentation. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Um, Really appreciate all everything you shared with us today. I think we're going to need to have you back on another show. Yeah, we've touched uh, the, just the yeah. tip of the iceberg yeah. here, Tom. This is really, really great. Uh, thanks for being with us here today, Ian. We really appreciate your insights and, and your detailed approach. That was fascinating. Excellent. Yeah, we were, I'm sorry I've gone on so much, guys. We were going to talk about like leadership immersion, but yeah. should we do that? Shall we do that on another show? Yep, that'll be another segment. I'm coming back. Yeah, you're yeah, coming back. Yeah, baby. I'll part I'll one. <laughs> Next time, I'm going to dress like Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. <laughs> well, thanks again, Ian. We really appreciate it. I really, uh, thank you for having me, guys. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.